Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is up, my friends? Welcome to the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. Hope you're having a wonderful little start to your month. We appreciate you so much for joining us. I am Sean Alshadi. I'm here with my guy, the Prince of Positivity, the King in the North, Alexander K. Lee. We are back. What up? Once again, AK, it's been a very busy past few weeks. How are we doing today? Sheen, it feels like we just did this, didn't we? Didn't we just do a ranking show? Are we? Doesn't it feel like we just did a ranking show not too recently? I mean, I'm, I'm excited I to do you. it again. I, I missed you. We needed to oh, do it I always soon, miss, man. I always miss you and our, and our, and our esteemed guests today. But uh, yeah, it feels like we just did this. Uh, I don't know if you want to explain to people. We had kind of a kind of a short cycle this time. Eventful, but a, a bit of a short cycle this time around. Yeah, absolutely. It's because just because of the way the schedule sort of worked out last month ended up being our busiest month ever. Whereas this ranking cycle, we're really only looking at the past three weeks or so. Still a lot going on, though. Uh, and just a couple of highlights to run through it. I mean, Amanda Nunes reclaims her top spot at Bantamweight, obviously even steals back a few first place votes on the women's pound for pound list. Brandon Moreno reaffirms his place at 125. We had new names, new blood coming in like Sergey Pavlovich, Ricky Simone, and Muhammad Mahayev make their debuts. And even a few vets who were little mainstays of these lists took a tumble. We're talking Derek Lewis, Misha Tate, Michelle Watterson. Uh, and there was certainly more, but first AK, we got to bring in our panel this month. You alluded to it. It's a new panel. Uh, first, your best friend and mine, host of Heck of a Morning, between the links and like a billion other shows on the MMA fight, po- fighting podcast network. This man is prolific. You already know he is Mr. Mike heck. Uh, and also along with us is my fellow deputy editor of MMA fighting, my tag team partner behind the scenes, Steven Morocco. We appreciate you fellas so much for joining us. So let's start with the big question, Mike, Steven, finally, I know we're yeah, Steven making an appearance. <laughs> Finally, bring on the abuse. Bring on the verbal abuse. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. you have to, we got to break you in. That's what we these shows are about, in. right? Rankings. <laughs> this one, yeah, especially. Well, let's start with Mike first. I mean, Mike, when it came time to do your rankings this month, where where, where was the story for you? What was the story of July like? What was the standout sort of situation of you for this for this ranking cycle? I mean, I, I should probably stay consistent from the last show because I was on the last show as well because you would ask me what I thought would be the biggest story over the next few weeks. And 
I said Yaya Rodriguez was probably going to be the biggest story, and maybe not for the reasons we had hoped for, but I think it might have been him because we've had quite a debate on where the featherweight division should go, and I think Yair took a bit of a step up. I think I have him like two spots ahead of Josh Emmett, and those two guys seem to be in the conversation for an interim title or at least for Yair, like I'm not even thinking about interim title. I deserve a fight for the actual gold. So I think I'll just stay consistent and stick with that because it was just such a weird ending to the fight. And it's an ending that kind of grew on all of us at first. We're like, Oh, this, he doesn't deserve a title fight at best. He deserves an interim title fight. And as time has sort of gone on, we kind of score it more of an actual win for Yair as opposed to a freak accident because Isn't of that how, funny it ended. how that works. It's crazy how that works. And I feel like, I feel like it's, sort of what we dealt with on Saturday in the heavyweight fight as well. We reacted and and sort of hastily. And then the more time has gone on, the more we've watched replays. We're like, you know what? Maybe it's not as bad as we thought it was. So I'm going to stick with that, but you could, you can make other arguments as well, which I'm sure one of you guys will, will come up with what my silver medalist would be in this conversation. Yeah. And, and it's funny now, Yair sort of finds himself in a similar place that a lot of people actually, number one contenders, if you want to put that in quotes, find themselves in the UFC in these various divisions where they maybe deserve a title fight or maybe they don't, but they're sort of that person for a title fight, but they're definitely just not going to get one anytime soon. And it's all sort of log jammed. And we'll hit on that a, a little bit later in the show. But Steven, man, I want to throw it to you. Like when you were, when you were doing your rankings this month, what was sort of the big story for you that jumped out? I mean, it's probably recency bias, but it's Amanda Nunes reclaiming her her spot at the top. And I think it's mainly because that upset was such a huge one. Juliana Pena upsetting her in the way that she did. Um, just the fact that Amanda was able to come out and look like the person that she's looked like for, for so long. Um, not only that, but to really put uh, Juliana in her place in, in, in so many different ways, technically, um, it was almost like a restoring of the order. Um, and it sort of got her back in that goat conversation where I think she deserved to be. Yeah, I would I would have to say that I agree with you in regards to it feels like there's an argument that of everybody Amanda made the biggest statement this month because it sort of felt like this was an all or, all or nothing for her in this Juliana Pena rematch. And you already saw it happening, right? Like you saw the chatter starting to just maybe pick away a little bit, little bit at the legacy poke holes in this woman who I think has long been sort of the consensus goat for everyone. It kind of felt like if the Pena rematch had gone differently, had gone south, there would have been a lot of very silly revisionist history going on. A lot of chatter about how Amanda was never really that good to begin with. She was always overrated, blah, blah, blah. It's silly, but you could sort of see the seeds being laid there by some people. Uh, AK, I mean, was that sort of where you ended up as well when you did your rankings this month? I'll throw out another one, but that would probably be my uh, my number one choice as well. I, I, listen, I was one of the people who ahead of that fight was like, there's there's questions that need to be asked about how much Amanda Nunes has left. I'm not saying I agreed with these questions, but that they had to be asked because, you know, she she is a mom now. She wants to coach sometime in the future. She's talked about retirement on, on uh, previous occasions, you know. This, yeah, so I was like, is that the kind of mindset you can go into against, you know, someone who who really derailed 
uh, you know, that your surefire all time goat talk uh, in, in your first outing. So, I, again, I, I'm not saying I agreed with any of these narratives, but, you know, I had to throw them out there. Uh, and if I believed in any of them, I'll tell you, I was proven wrong because, yeah, I think she looked phenomenal. She looks like she's got another two, three tile defenses left in her. How many she however many she wants to do. And it was very important that she won and won the way she did. I, I don't care that she didn't finish. I know she herself and, and Dana White were also saying after like, oh, was there a little more? Does she leave a little more in the tank? Could she put a more of a stamp on it? And it's like dominating a tough opponent like Juliana Pena for five rounds, knocking her down multiple times was really, really impressive. And uh, if we see a third meeting, I'm actually kind of down for it. But also, I understand why if people just saw that one fight, we're like, I'm good. I don't need to see it again. Amanda Nunes is the better fighter. Uh, the question are, the questions have been answered, but that man always finds something to criticize. He really does. Do it with fifty forty three, and we're still talking about criticism. It's ridiculous. He, just being, he did call the performance dominant multiple times. I was I should be clear. Dana White did call. He did say dominant, dominant. And he said it was dominant at least like three or four times. So you know, uh, he just he just nitpicking. Uh, but I'll, I'll also just throw out there quickly, uh, Sergey Pavlovich, because debuting at number seven. Uh, listen, uh, maybe he has to look at a little uh, tip of the cap to Dan Mergliata, but I think that fight was going his way anyway. He's kind of been lost in the shuffle a little bit with uh, Chris, you know, last year or whatever, last within the last year, Tom Aspinall, obviously the big up and comer at heavyweight. Chris Dockles was in there for a bit for taking a couple of losses. Uh, Tai Tuovasa, if you want to throw him into that group. And uh, Pavlovich, he kind of had a lot of inactivity for a while, which which knocked him out of it. But other than losing his debut to Overeem, like he's looked fantastic. And I think all of us just kind of want to see him prove it. And so he gets to this this Lewis fight, uh, gets a finish. Uh, questionable or, or not and uh, now he's in our top 10 just like that and he belongs that guy. maybe he's he's leapfrogged Aspinall as far as who could get a teleshop first I don't know just considering Aspinall's injury so that's 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 uh that's pretty exciting to me always exciting to see that fresh blood and I will and one more thing I kind of want to ask you guys is this Derek Lewis's lot now to be a guy who just his spot is to be taken because we just saw it with Tai Tuivasa now Sergey Pavlovich has done it he's fought for UFC titles twice it, it's I, I'm, I'm obviously avoiding using the word gatekeeper, but it does feel like he is just a name now for them to eventually throw an up and comer at and they can get a number next to their name by beating him. It's an interesting question. I mean, you're looking at him. He's 37 years old, right? He's He's been this is who he's been for a long time. He's, he's a get or get got fighter. He's a 50 50 coin flip fighter. And for a long time, he was the one who was getting the other guys. And now he's sort of on the other end of that. It's three in a row, or I mean, not three in a row, but three of his past four. All of those three were Cyril Gaon, Taitu Vasa, Sergei Pavlich, sort of the new blood. But then you look in there, Chris Dawkins is in there. Also, Curtis Blades was not very long ago. And we're all talking about Curtis Blades now as one of the best heavyweights in the world still. I don't know, man. It's it's an interesting question. I feel like Derek still has some left in the tank and maybe this is just a rough patch. But maybe I'm just sort of, uh, I, I just love that man so much. I refuse to see what's in front of me. What do you think, Mike? It's tough, man. Like he, Derek is who he is and he fights the way he fights. And every Derek Lewis fight is going to be like Gary. It's like you say, he's get or get God. And he's in this, like the Curtis blades fight is so strange to me because no one thought he would win that fight. And that Nobody. wasn't long ago. That was like a year ago. That was, uh, that was in February of 2021. He was a plus 300 dog at best, depending on where you look. And Curtis Blades decided, you know what? You know what I think would be a great strategy? I'm going to go box Derek Lewis. I think that's a great idea. When I just well. take him down and he was burn him out. He was doing okay. He was doing okay, And though. then he got, I mean, that was what, like, if you go back in history, that was one of the most violent knockouts ever. Like, He's I bad. went back and watched that. It was one of the worst where I was just like, oh, my God. Like, 
He needs to go to the hospital. I hope he's okay. Like I'm really concerned about his future well-being. No one thought he'd win that fight. And then he goes out and wins. It's just, it's just nuts who this, like, I don't know. Like you could throw him in there with anybody and like, it's all going to be the same. Like I was talking about this on, on heck of a morning on Tuesday. If you, if they book Derek Lewis against Pacaporta right now, would anybody <laughs> complain? No one would complain about that. But if they put him, if they booked him with Nganu or anybody like that, like maybe not Nganu, but, but they like, a him like a Roman five heavy, or something. Yeah. Like I don't want to see that. Yeah, I don't want to see they it. Booked, yeah. If they booked a rematch with Pavlovich, it's fine. If they booked him against like anybody in the top five, it's okay. But if they booked him with Pacaporta or Chase Sherman, like no one's going to care. Like it's just gonna be like, Oh cool. Derek Lewis is fighting. Like the reaction will still be the same. So he's not quite a gatekeeper. He is kind of a litmus test, but He's just in a category by himself where he fight. If he fights anybody, it's interesting and you can make an argument in a compelling case heading into it that he could win this fight or that he could lose this fight to everybody, including Pacaporta and Chase Sherman. Like that's just who <laughs> Derek Lewis is. And he, as long as he gets a paycheck and it goes in his bank account, he doesn't care who he fights. And that's what I think people love about him, which is really, really interesting. And I just want to add to this. If Derek Lewis wasn't the guy whose face is on the mat. Do you think we'd be having this conversation right now? No. Like, do you honestly think we'd be making this big of a deal out of it? If it was anybody else besides no. Derek Lewis? No, I, I think it's, him. it's wild. He's beloved, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, for, I love the, the little drips of Boston Mike that, that oh, just gosh. come in there I, during the Parker Porter. I was just Porter. about Boys to say, <laughs> can I, can I have Boys you do a high years. track for Parker Porter? Please like don't. Just having you say his name <laughs> to a beat. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never not say it like that for the rest of my life. Oh, force it out of me. Yeah. Uh, Derek Lewis. Stop being you. Derek Lewis (laughs) fall into the number, I believe, uh, Sheena, number Number eight, eight, number number eight, eight. which is the lowest he has been really in the history of these rankings for us since we started doing as high, as high as number six in our, uh, in our, one of our panelist pals and as low as number 11. Oh, so someone's a hater now. Someone out there's a hater putting wow. out of eleven. I was awesome. asked. I was asked about Derek earlier this week, and I, I almost am of the mind where, like, I really hope the UFC doesn't do the UFC thing here, where they just keep feeding the old guy to the young guns, because like they did something the opposite with Anthony Smith, right? Where I guess maybe not the opposite, but they sort of let Anthony Smith rebuild himself to a certain degree they weren't throwing him against these crazy prospects they were more throwing him against these 15 to 20 to 25 range guys and all of a sudden anthony smith gets three wins in a row he looks like a world beater again and we were talking about him like he was somebody who mattered again i really hope they do something like that with Derek, and they don't just keep throwing him to like the sergey pavlovich's the romanovs whoever because like sergey pavlovich might just be really damn good like dude is is I think he's only lost to Alistair Overeem in his entire life, and everything else is pretty much first-round knockouts for him. Like, there's a real chance we're looking at this fight a couple years back or a couple years from now as like, oh, yeah, of course, Sergey Pavlovich won this one. I mean, Stephen, where do you want to see this go? I mean, if there's any benefit or silver lining here for Derek Lewis is the fact that he fights in the UFC heavyweight division <laughs> and he's marketable AF, you know? He, he's... He could lose. He will lose again, like you said, you know, with his style. Um, and he, he's one of those guys that they they put together a couple of wins and he's kind of back in the picture. He's, you know, he's he's past that point right now where it, it losses and wins matter that much. He's just a marketable commodity that they can use until, you know, he uh, starts to trend you know, one direction more than the other, more often than not. Um, so, uh, you know, I want to see Derek 
I want to see Derek fight Parker, Parker Porter right now. That's what I want. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> if only to hear Mike say that name uh, 20 more times. I'm here for that. Sign me up. Sign me yeah, all the way up. Do not, do not give him Jelton Almeida. Do not yeah, do that. No. Yeah. Because like every time somebody beats Shamil Abdurahimov, they fight Derek Lewis. So don't do it. <laughs> do not do that. Please. I'm path. begging you. That's the path. <laughs> don't do it. That's just the path. That's how the UFC goes. Uh, it's funny because there was one other big fallout from UFC 277, which was sort of the big show of this cycle. And we haven't mentioned it at all. And that was obviously Brandon Moreno. And sort of the way the flyweight division has played out. And we talked about it on the post-fight show a little bit. I will say this one, the way this sort of shook out with the rankings, kind of surprised me a bit. And, and maybe it shouldn't have. Uh, the Divas and Figueredo hate train is seemingly stronger now than it's ever been. Uh, of all the guys to get all this guff in the MMA community, I don't understand why it's this guy. Uh, he, he is always entertaining every time out. He is, you know, been a very reliable champion for the most part. But there was some surprising debate coming out of 277 among the team that I just didn't expect among the flyweight ranks. And again, maybe I'm naive. I probably am. But Brandon Moreno coming off this sensational highlight reel win over Kaikara France, securing this interim title shot, giving us the tetralogy, and stealing away two first place votes here at 125. Uh, and Mike, I hope you don't mind me revealing this. Those two were you uh, and Casey as well, our good friend E. Casey Layden. You guys were the two, uh, AK Steven, the, th the three of us, and Jed voted for Figueredo. And then, of course, you have Damon and Guillerme out there doing their own thing, voting for the DJ Slayer, Adriano Marias. So flyweight right now is all over the place. Three different people getting first place votes on our on our rankings. Mike, why was Moreno your new number one this this month? Make the case and talk us through this. As a conductor of the hate train, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Davis and Figueredo. You and Joe train. Rogan, man. You and Joe Rogan just leading this. Yeah, that's what I said in the People's Pre-Fight Show, that this that, that this fight was for the actual title, so now Moreno is the actual <laughs> champion. Uh, that, that, that was just dumb, by the way, and it set a horrible precedent for the rest of the card. But I think Brandon Moreno is undefeated against Davidson Figueredo, at least how I feel about it, at least how I scored the third fight. Because the first fight, I mean, you can make a case that Figgy won for sure, but he cheated, he got caught, and he got a point taken away. So And that changed everything. So that is a draw. Moreno went out there and starched him in the second fight. And the third fight, while Figueredo made some great adjustments, I thought him going to Team Cejudo and going to fight ready and doing all those things was, was huge. And it led to the fight being what it was. I scored the fight for Brandon Moreno. And then I went back and I was like, maybe I was looking at it from like a biased view. And then I watched it again yesterday just to make sure I'm not dumb, like that, that I, that, that I have this right. And I went and watched it again and I still scored it for Brandon Moreno. So to me, He's 2-0-1 against Figueredo, and he just went out there and had the kind of performance that he needed to earn that spot. Now, if he went out and eked out a split decision against Kaikar France, maybe I'm not looking at it like that. Like, maybe I think Figueredo might get the spot, but the fact that Moreno went out there, won the first two rounds, he was in he was in a little bit of trouble in the third. Kaikar France was lighting him up, and then he saw that opening for that body kick, went in, finished the fight, got the win. And Car France is on such a run. Like entering the fight, I actually felt like Car France had that aura about him that like no matter what happens, like no matter how outgunned or outmatched he might be on paper, like he just had that aura that there's just no way this guy was going to lose to anybody. And Moreno went out there, finished the job. So to me, like he's undefeated against Figueredo. And he just finished a guy who 
I didn't think could really lose. I just thought like the the world of MMA, the gods are just going to shine this light upon Kai Kara France until he had undisputed gold wrapped around his waist. And Brandon Moreno said, I don't care what you guys think. I don't care what the MMA gods think. I'm going to go win this belt. I'm going to finish this guy. I'm going to get all deep in a box of Nutella at the post fight <laughs> press conference. So Brandon Moreno to me, it's, I mean, you can call it one, a one B, but if you're going to call it that Brandon Moreno's one, a figgy's one B. And that's why we need to see this, this, uh, tetralogy, not the quadrilogy, the tetralogy between these two gentlemen made by the end of the year, early 2023. Very important distinction there. Tetralogy. Not quadrilogy people. Uh, your, your Brandon Moreno is just so delightful. The Nutella is just such like a perfect Brandon Moreno little little spice there. I mean, I, I got to say, Mike, I don't agree, I, but I respect where you're coming from because you you say it with conviction. Uh, I, I think there's probably like half of the community MMA community that agrees with you too. This feels to me like very much a Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky situation before we had that third fight. But I mean, AK Steven, where do you guys sort of land on this? I mean, do you see where Mike's coming from or do you think this is all very silly and it's obviously figgy? Man, it's, there's nothing obvious about it. There's nothing obvious about the top of, of flyweight. Like you said, we, we also have two of our uh, panelists voting for one champion, Adriano Murray. And why not? He beat, he definitively beat Demetrius Johnson. Even though Thankfully, he's they, basically like a 135er, but we, sure, sure. we don't need to. And they will fight again. Uh, he could strengthen his case this month. They actually fight uh, in two weeks, I think, August 12th, I want to say. Or am I thinking about Bellator? There's a one championship card this week and the, uh, this, this, this uh, month. Uh, you, it's one on prime video one there. What, what a snappy name. One on prime video one, uh, <laughs> heavily anticipated too. the fact that all of us obviously knew the date off the top Absolutely. of our head. Uh, and that will feature fingers crossed that will feature the rematch, uh, and, uh, headlining between, um, Demetrius Johnson and Adrian Murray. So there's that. And then also there's this whole thing with Figgy and Moreno. We, we keep kind of joking about it. Like, oh, this is a fight that we can see happen like 10 times. Like, it's just so fun. They're so evenly matched. It's so exciting. They're so clear. I think so clearly the two best guys, uh, at least in the UFC, in the flyweight division. Um, so while there's a lot of fresh challengers, I understand why people don't even want to see a fourth fight because it's like, why not? What about Pantoja? What about, uh, you know, Mel, Mel Kopp if he gets a big win? Oscar Askarov's out there. I know like he's coming off a loss, but he has the resume. There's so many good flyweights that sh should get a title shot within the next, you know, 18 months. But they might not, depending on what happens with, with Figgy and Moreno. So my, my this is my long way of saying, like, I have Figgy number one uh, just because he beat them in their most recent outing. But there's like when we look back on this, like as an all time thing, man, it's like I don't know if you'll ever be able to say one guy is so definitively better than the other. Uh, Moreno finished him in the second fight. You know, Davison won not a competitive decision in the third fight. And then, as we all said, the first fight, pretty much a Figueredo win, which he, he botched with the with the fouls. So. I'm comfortable having Figgy number one. If he stays up there, you know, for a long time, if he beats Moreno again and then stays up there for a long time, that wouldn't surprise me. But it just feels like these two are going to be in talks forever. And I know people aren't going to want to see it, but who knows if if, if Figgy uh, never goes up to 135, he probably will at some point. If he doesn't, I mean, these guys could meet a fifth time, like somewhere down the road. I honestly don't know. They're so they're so uh, so closely matched. Yeah, and and I think actually that's probably the uh, the best. The best route for solving this logjam and probably the most likely route because Figgy is going to go up to 135. I think that that's just a too hard of a weight cut for him, and I think that he's eventually going to go up. So that's probably going to be the thing that moves things along most expediently. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, I, I get your art, uh, your argument, Mike. Um, they are technically one, one, and one. But there's a there's this just reek of subjectivity there in terms of what the score should be as opposed to what the score is, and 
you know, for me, he won the last fight. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter. Th- this is just my philosophy. And we've had this debate since we started this damn thing. <laughs> reek um, of, reek about... of subjectivity could be the subtitle of this show at this point. Welcome to the show, Stephen. <laughs> Welcome yeah, to the I show. Know. I mean, it's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm the new kid, but it's like, I feel like that we're going back to that original argument, uh, you know, what, what we would like to be versus what is. And I think the strongest argument is the fact that it is one, one, and one. Technically, they are pretty much even in, in record. But the most recent... Um, the most recent meeting, he won for the undisputed title. Therefore, he is number one. With the mic dropped. dropped. Yeah. Just the, it just <laughs> yeah, dropped I mean, the was, mic like that. I was waiting for it. Yeah. No, no, I get it. And to me, like, even heading into this card, like, it was kind of like the Shevchenko Nunes pound for pound thing where. You have both that are like neck and neck and it's almost like you go to that car to a carnival and you roll the ball and you try to get it in the hole and the little horse moves spots. And it's just a matter of inches of who gets there first. And I feel like these two guys are almost neck and neck. Maybe Moreno is slightly behind, but then he rolled a freaking three and now he's a do 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 do. And now he's just a little bit more ahead of Figueredo. And it was kind of the same thing like with, with Usman and Volkanovsky right now, like, Usman probably like has the better record that like Usman probably has more of a compelling case, but like what Volkanovsky has done recently during this time that Usman hasn't competed, he's just jumping forward. And now he's like, now he's ahead. Now, if Usman goes out later this month and beats Leon Edwards, like he's probably back to being the number one pound for pound guy. So it's just a game of interest between these two guys. I'm not going to argue with you. If you got figgy in there, I probably will argue with you on the Adriana Marias thing, but that's neither here nor there. Same, um, same, same, same. Yeah. Same. But if you have figgy number one, cool. If you got Moreno number one, cool. Um, it's just, I don't think any of us are wrong. I think we're both right. And that's it. Maybe, well, maybe, maybe Queen and Damon. We'll see. Well, yeah, two, yeah, two of us are wrong, but not us on this show. Yeah, you know? We're all very wrong. Right. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the pound for pound situation at the women's ranks be- with, between Amanda and Valentina, because to me, the like my philosophy, I guess we all have our own different philosophies for rankings. My philosophy for divisions is I try to be a little bit more rigid with it. Follow, you know, maybe like, hey, not what have you done for me lately type of stuff. Whereas pound for pound has always felt to me like a very fluid thing where it's, you know, if, if you've been very active recently, you deserve to sort of move up above someone who has been very stagnant, that sort of thing. Again, that's just my philosophy. That doesn't need to be your philosophy, but it is an interesting situation we have now come back to. I say back to because we've we've had this conversation before, but now we're sort of all of a sudden revisiting it between Amanda and Valentina because Amanda just... 50 43 uh the number two woman in in her division at, at this point it feels like there's no doubt who's the best 135er in the world she's whatever you think about 145 she is still the 145 pound champion she beat chris cyborg um and so now she's back at the top spot at 135 but she also got a couple number first place votes on the pound for pound list i was one of those gear may was one of those as well the rest of you guys, six of you guys voted for Valentina and kept her at number one. Um, and to me, this I was surprised that this wasn't more of a debate, I guess. I was expecting more of a 4-4, 3-5 type of situation and more people to come on Amanda's side, especially considering the performance we just saw from Valentina, right? Where she is, she very nearly lost and could have lost had she not gotten that headbutt. I found it all very interesting the way it shook out. I'm curious, AK, I'll throw it to you. I mean, do you feel like I'm crazy with throwing Amanda right back up? Or are you as surprised as me that this isn't didn't become more of a thing? Well, I, I definitely uh, stuck with Shevchenko. 
I don't think you're crazy because I think it's very easy. To, I, I think after Shevchenko's last performance, there were some people wondering, were, were we too quick? Well, or, or that they want to wait to see what happened with this fight because the big, you know, storyline after Shevchenko's fight with Tyler Santos is, oh, now we've seen cracks in, in Shevchenko's armor. Now, now we've finally seen like what it looks like when she's vulnerable. You know, people just, you know, that just happened with Amanda. Amanda lost Shevchenko. She pulled out the decision win. But people, a lot of people disagreed with that score. They thought that uh, that that Santos did did pull off the victory. So um, it, 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 it she's kind of was teetering a little bit. And then suddenly Amanda goes out there avenges this loss in definitive fashion and incredible incredible five round performance and again if we, and then we're going body of work I, I mean i think they both have extremely strong bodies of work but you know menunez two divisions names like chris cyborg ronda rousey also, um, Misha tate holly Holm, you know all that stuff up to well in that series and she has beaten Shevchenko head to head at 135 pounds so it, it is it's certainly very easy to put her back up there for me i think the difference was uh, I'm trying to think how how Nunes could get back up now. I think I gave Shevchenko a lot more credit for that Santos fight than most did. That's probably the only difference. Like I think she like that fight was not a showcase for her, but I also think she did better than people uh, think. And also, you know, there was the thing of like Santos did so much better than expected and all that. So we kind of discussed this on a bunch of other shows at nauseum. So I won't go over that again. So, but for the fact that Shevchenko was able to pull out that win is kind of enough for me to. Uh, to, to keep her in that number one spot. But I mean, Nunes certainly looked great. Uh, I don't, again, and I now I don't know what she has to do to reclaim the spot. Maybe if she has another dominant telefence or a fast finish, but uh, I'm, I'm really holding on to uh, that Shevchenko at number one for now. And hopefully Shevchenko gets back in the cage, uh, you know, before the end of the year and, and can, uh, can cement that spot and make it easier for me to keep her there. I mean, Mike, was this even something you considered or were you pretty locked in on, on Shevchenko at one? I thought about it, but Ultimately, to me, Shevchenko is still the number one. Um, she hasn't lost in a long time, and Nunes has. Like, you call it, I hate using the word fluke in fights. I don't think it was a fluke. I think, again, maybe Julian just caught Amanda on a bad night, but Tyler Santos also caught Valentina Shevchenko on a bad night, and Valentina won, and Amanda didn't. So, to me, that was just kind of weighed the scales. I don't think putting Nunez up there is egregious at all. What I will say, and I'm not going to call this person out because I just saw this. <laughs> oh, I know what you're going to say before no. you even say it. I will. Okay, I and will. actually, AK and I talked about this, but please go ahead. And I will. Call them I will Emma, okay. please call them out. Please call them out. And, and one of our panelists, poll, <laughs> one of the panelists, not only did they not. A rogue panelist, one might say. A, a rogue, rogue panelist. panelist. A rogue panelist had Amanda Nunez heading into this, this fight, number three pound for pound. After this victory, 50-43, Amanda okay. Nunes has dropped a spot. Okay. She's number four on this rogue panelist right. list. It's so Listen, dumb. My, my, this, you're my best friend. Mike, you're my, Mike, your blood pressure, please. Your blood pressure. Your blood okay, pressure. You're, right, you're, right. you're my best I friend. Like I want to... Listen, I want to yeah. say something just to calm you down. Yeah. Now, I, I obviously I don't agree with this rogue panelist, but I can you I, explain sort of what, yeah, what Mike I is somehow, talking about too? Because the viewers have please. no idea. Oh, okay, okay. So yes, uh, Nunes dropped to four because our rogue panelist bumped up Ryzen Adam weight champion Seika Izawa up to number three pound for pound. No, I get it. The majority of our listeners probably not familiar with Izawa. Uh, she's seven and zero as a pro. Her her she's looked amazingly dominant in her career so far. She's only 24 years old and she has two big wins over Ayaka Hamasaki, who like is one of the greatest Adam Waits of all time. Uh, two very convincing wins over Ayaka Hamasaki back to back. So that's kind of her claim to fame right now. And now she's starting to put together her own resume again. Only seven pro uh, MMA bouts so far, but she has looked sensational. So Shaheen presented this to me in our in our Slack chat 
And at first I was- Also it was I Casey. Was, I don't know why we're dancing around. It was Casey. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows. Everybody knows it was Casey. He's not here to defend himself. He's not, but I will advocate for him. So I will say this. If we are, you know, we don't, unfortunately we don't keep adding weight rankings. We, we will someday, hopefully, fingers crossed, but I can't promise that. If we are treating atom weight as a real division, which it is much more so than women's featherweight, that's for damn sure. Then should we not show respect to the clear cut best atom weight in the world? Uh, her competition, again, outside of Ayaka Hamasaki does leave a little bit to be desired. Like I said, I would like to see her build her resume first before I would do something like throwing her into the top five, like pound for pound. So I wouldn't do that. But this would be like, imagine if there was a, a six and oh fighter who came along at like women's bantamweight and beat like Holly Holm. You would just bump them up. I don't know how you put them pound for pound, but you would bump them up. You wouldn't hesitate to bump them up. So this is like the DJ MMA equivalent of that. It's like she is a clear blue chip talent. Um, again, she has dominated everyone she's fought and she has again, beaten one of the all time great sort of Adam Wayne. So, again, if if we're going to rate like Cyborg highly based on her, you know, and it's just, I'm not comparing as I would a Cyborg. Well, I guess I am. If we're going to rate Cyborg highly based on her dominating featherweight for, you know, whatever, 15 years, then we have to give Izawa some credit for dominating a division that I think is actually is an actual division, if that makes sense. So I'm, I'm just I'm, I don't know why I'm being the devil's advocate. I'm putting myself in the line of fire for for uh, Casey here. I'm probably going to catch a lot of stray shots, but I want there to be peace in the land and, and, and I want us to see the reasoning. The logic. It's too high. It's too high. It's way she too high. Be, she should not be above Nunes. She, she should not be above Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes dropped a spot it's after too high. The, it's one too of high. the best performances of her career. That's it's crazy. It's too high. It's too high. And Azawa hasn't fought since. Oh, oh no. Azawa, no, Azawa won, won this July. past sorry, month. She won in July. I'm sorry. She won Over in July. Over someone that no one else on I, this panel would know. With respect uh, no, to Laura, Laura, yeah. Laura I mean, maybe this is probably new, but I think we have an activist panelist in this in this rankings committee. Yes. Yes, and that's okay. And he's using he's using his rankings. <laughs> he's use, he's misusing his power. He's, he's to, to, he is to, to weaponizing a, 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 a political argument essentially. Yeah. Yep. Because he's weaponizing his it's rankings. Weighted. We are we are doing this. I I mean I think we're all trying to do this to the best of our ability, mm -hmm. given that it's a pound for pound discussion. And there's so many things that go into this. There's so much more subjectivity than other things. I think one guy is just being a little bit less, a little bit more honest about it. You know, okay. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to rank this guy higher. So <laughs> she gets the props that she probably deserves and wouldn't get if we were just doing this from the current landscape. Listen, we are all friends here. <laughs> I will just say, I don't want to dwell on it too much. I will just say, I think it's, it's obvious it's too high, but Casey, I understand where you're coming from. I, un I understand why you did this. So I'm not, you know, I don't agree, but I understand the logic to bring this back to news to, to, oh, yes. to bring this back to news because I feel like Mike could go for 30 minutes on this Izawa thing. Um, I just don't understand, I guess, if some like you had said, you know, Amanda just lost. Valentina hasn't lost for a long time. Valentina did lose. The last time she lost was to Amanda Nunes. She's lost twice to Amanda Nunes. That's, I guess, the part that I don't understand is if we're, we're taking overall body of work as, a, as something that matters, if it goes between two people and one person is up on a series two to O, that to me feels like that's the answer. And I guess I'm surprised that no one else sort of came around other than Guillerme, who is obviously the smartest one on this panel aside from me. That's all I'm saying. I get it, man. But I mean, what? That was... I mean, we, there comes to a point where there's a statute of limitation for me 
Like if we're, if we're talking totally about something fair. that, yeah, if it's happened like two years ago, Nunez is number one, hundred percent, but this is five years ago. Like this is five years ago in a fight that a lot of people thought Shevchenko won and it was a terrible fight. So I almost like try to forget about that fight altogether. Like it never happened. Um, and I think a lot of other people who actually spent the money to watch it probably do as well. But yeah, five years, is a long time. Like I, I think it's part of the story, but at this point, talking pound for pound like currents, I don't think it holds that much weight, if that makes sense. That's totally and fair. That's a good point with statute of limitations, too. Each of us have a different statute of limitations for mm-hmm. what for for ascribing meaning to a loss or a win, right? And we yeah. haven't really correct me if I'm wrong, we haven't really discussed that. No, it's all like, up to personal philosophies. It would be technically more objective if we all were on the same page with that, right? <laughs> Wouldn't it be more, you know? Yeah, It'd be less fun, long, and more, less fun and more less fun scientific. As long as the yeah. definition that we all agree to is set by me, yes, and I, am, <laughs> I, I fully support it. I fully support this. Yeah. Sure. Also, though, hopefully, it seems like we might get an answer soon. It feels like that's the obvious next fight for both women. Maybe the UFC is willing to throw a little bit more money Valentina Shevchenko's way. We we finally get this deciding fight because I agree that was a very controversial fight. It's one of those ones you pull out on MMA decisions that rematch. It's like half-half. It's 50-50 basically between Shevchenko and Nunes. So I hope we see that third fight. It feels to me like a historically important fight that we can't miss. And again, we said it on the post-fight show. I'm not going to go too much more into it. But like, you only have so much of a window to do this sort of thing until all of a sudden that window's gone overnight. This window almost disappeared twice over the last year for, for each of these women. So like, let's just do this now. I don't know why we're waiting. Hopefully we can get resolution. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to finish out on the other side. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We are back. 
hitting now some of the smaller scope topics, some of the smaller scope fallout of the past three weeks. Uh, and one of them I thought was a very fun development. I always enjoy when we sort of get these, these, these cycles where we get a lot of new blood. We get this influx of new names making their debuts this month. Uh, and, and we had a couple of this month. Some of it was because of things they directly did performances. These guys had, uh, and others were maybe just cause some of the veterans who, who dropped out of the rankings, this was sort of the next person up. Uh, but I think the two big ones would come as no surprise to anyone, right? Muhammad Mahayev, 22 years old, 7-0, 2-0 in the UFC, already has his third fight booked at UFC 280, which is low-key looking like the card of the year already uh, against Malcolm Gordon. He debuts at number 12 at Flyweight, which feels like a nice ranking for him. And then a man we already mentioned earlier, Sergey Pavlovich, uh, the kind of a name who's been low-key creeping up for several years now. Easily the biggest win of his UFC career. That's four in a row, all first-round knockouts. He debuts at number seven heavyweight. Uh, so those were the big ones. But then there were also a couple smaller ones that sort of crept in under the radar. You had Ricky Simone, who's now eight and two in the UFC, five-fight win streak. He's coming at number 15 at Bantamweight, so just creeping in there. Uh, and then at lightweight, Grant Dawson, Roberto D'Souza, a.k.a. Satoshi, another rise and standout, coming in at number 15. They were tied. Uh, and so, gentlemen, let's just quickly exclude Muhammad Mahayev from this conversation because I feel like he's just getting started and a lot of us are going to pick him when it comes to this next question that I'm going to ask you guys. But of the rest of that group, Pavlovich, Simone, Dawson, Satoshi, who do you most believe in, Mike? Who's, whose chances do you like to stick around and do some damage here? That's a really good question. Um, I think the guy with probably like the most talent and upside that I'm really happy is here right now is Ricky Simone. So with like him you. Beating, I'm so with you on that. Him beating Jack Shore and not just beating him, the way he did it and the just... It's like he knew it the whole time. The whole time he builds up to it, he was just smirking, smiling. Like, you guys are so high on this guy, but wait till you see what happens when we get to Long Island. And that's exactly what happened. He went out there, just as such a freak athlete, and you really got to see the athleticism, just the raw athleticism this guy has against a guy who's just super technically talented, like a Jack Shore. He just picked him up. He hoisted him up. He did. He, he was fine on the feet with him. Like Ricky's good, man. And Ricky's had, I don't like, we talk about statute of limitations. I feel like it took him a long time to get over the Uriah Faber fight, at least in the eyes of media members, the eyes of fans. Like, Oh, he's always the guy who, got tapped and got bolted by Uriah Faber in a fight that like he had no chance, like Faber should have never won. And I feel like this win got people over that a little bit. You see him on the MMA hour. Like that's a very big deal to see, uh, you know, Ricky Simone on the MMA hour. Like that's huge. So I, I think people are coming around to Ricky and I, this is probably long overdue. Honestly, it, he, sh he probably should have been on this ranking well before the Jack Shore fight and here he is getting it now. And yeah, I think he's the guy with the most upside right now of all these guys. Like Ricky can do some damage. Like this could be a guy, like if he gets the right fights and the UFC books him accordingly, he could be a guy in the, who could just slide into the top five and no one should be surprised about that. I totally agree with you, Mike. And it's funny when you say he should have been here earlier. It's like, I think that speaks to how ridiculously deep and difficult bantamweight is that the fact that he wasn't right. Because even at the very bottom, you got guys like Adrian Yanez, uh, Patchy Mix, Stanley Sabatello, like all these names just scratching and clawing. Nurmagomedov even, like Umar Nurmagomedov. You have so many names just scratching and clawing to try to even get into these rankings. It seems like you really have to make a statement and do something specific 
spectacular to finally break in. And now that he's in, I feel like we're going to be seeing Ricky Simone here for a while. Uh, AK, what about you? What, what, of those names that we had listed at the beginning, who do you like the most? Uh, I like Simone a lot. What were, what were my other options again, Sheen? Pavlovich, Dawson, and Satoshi. Oh, listen. I'm, like I said, I've kind of, I've kind of uh, already bigged up uh, Pavlovich. So, uh, so I'm going to stick with that. Like, outside of Makayev, I really see big things ahead for Pavlovich. Again, if it wasn't for that stretch from like 2019 to this year, uh, where you know various, I think there's some injury in there, just various reasons he could he couldn't get in. Now he's getting the fights he needs. Um, is it will is he good enough to again to break into that you know Ngannou, Stipe, Gan trifecta, possibly Tatuvasa? We'll see how that goes. I don't know. I don't know. But my goodness, I mean, you look at him and you see this. This is a heavyweight. Like this he is, is a, a heavy, massive, heavy, heavy, massive man. A massive. <laughs> he moves well. Very skilled guy. Um, very physically mature. He's 30 years old. You know, we call him a young guy because he's in the heavyweight division, but he's young, but also with, you know, also sort of in his athletic prime. So, yeah, I see big things for him. And and would it's hard. For, I don't know where he fits in. The, the, the only problem is there's this whole issue with we think that somewhere along the line. There might be an interim title fight, you know, involving Gone and Blades or Tuivasa. If Tuivasa upsets Gone, so there's that to factor in. And then, of course, this never-ending: Will Stipe and John Jones fight, or will will John Jones and Ngannou fight, or will Stipe have a trilogy? So the title picture is so murky. I don't know how long this guy's going to have to wait to get a clear idea of uh, of who, what he has to do or who he has to beat to get a title shot. And as we know, at heavyweight. Man, there's so much randomness. All it takes is like one bad night and suddenly, boom, you're bumped two or three down, spots down the rankings because you got caught by some or or you got matched up with like Alexander Romanov. And then, <laughs> then what happened? That's like, you know what I mean? And it's not anyone's fault if if if, if Romanov beat him or Pavlovich beat Romanov. It's just good. It's just but they, they're going to have to stay busy until whatever is going on in the top of the division resolves itself. And frankly, I feel like we're not near uh, any resolution to that. So I, I, I do pick Pavlovich, but I mean, there's so many things outside of his control that could prevent him from, from actually contending. Yeah. There was a real, at least to me, like eye opening moment during UFC 277 fight week at the weigh-ins, the official or the ceremonial weigh-ins when you saw those two, Derek Lewis and Pavlovich square up and it was just, like, Oh Jesus. Like there's not a lot of human beings on earth who can make Derek Lewis look small. And the fact that this guy was, it's like, Oh, okay. Maybe Maybe something bad's about to happen here to Derek Lewis. Um, Steven, I mean, between sort of the guys we've talked about, maybe you can go off the board too. Who, who, who do you like the most of this new blood? For, for pure regional bias, it's Ricky Simone. Uh, he's a guy from Vancouver. He's from AT&T, a, <laughs> Portland ATT, uh, or ATT Portland, I should say. Um, he, I've watched him from early in his career. He was always like the big prospect. And that gym in all of its different incarnations has just been, has just had so much bad luck, been used to build other fighters, you know, constantly gets the short end of the stick. You know, their guys fall short. Ricky has always been the standout, always been the stud among them. And I think the, as much as I want to see him win, as you mentioned before, bantamweight is such a difficult division. And I think that's the, 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 the major thing that's going to keep him from getting over the hump. You know, if he has the best of nights in a, in a uh, succession of fights and, you know, delivers on the what 100% of his promise, I definitely think he could be a champion at bantamweight, but for the, for the more likely, uh, you know, ascension, I would go with Pavlovich simply because of his size, his dominance and the, the, the size of the division. You know, I just think it's a safer bet. 
Yeah, I mean, if you're 30 years old in the heavyweight division, you probably got like 12 years to work, right? <laughs> like, much, dude, dude's yeah. got the whole rest of his career out of him. I, I want to quickly hit the one man we left out, which was because we would have all picked him, I think, Muhammad Mahayev. Uh, this is not your dad's flyweight division anymore. Like, if you look at the flyweight top seven right now, Figueredo, Moreno, Moraes, DJ, Kaikara France, Pantoja, Askarov. That's a ridiculously stacked top seven. Like that is an incredibly talented top seven right there. If I set the bar at this time next year, so we're talking August 2023, is Muhammad Mahayev in that top seven? And if so, who has he kicked out? Because I don't know how he's going to get in that top seven, but I believe he will. But that is just such a good list of names. Mike, I'll throw it to you first. Boy, that's tough, man. It's funny because like I'm so high on this guy that I think he could jump like almost all of them at some point. Like, I don't know, like 2023 seems as active as this guy is because he wants, I mean, he already knows like he gets out of fight. He's like, I'm fighting in October and he gets to fight in October. Yeah. Like he could win in October and be like, I'm fighting in December in Las Vegas and they'll give it to him. So he could move up pretty quickly. Boy, I'm going to go. Like, I think he could jump Askarov pretty quickly. And it's not because of the talent. It's because I just think Styles. the activity is going to be huge. Oh, okay. Like, I just think Askarov's just, and, and just, I just think maybe we'll get two fights out of Askarov between now and the end of 23. Mahayev will fight like eight times before the end of 2023. <laughs> and I'm not even just saying that sarcastically. He, and he's that talented. He's that good. And here's the thing about Mahayev like, you look at his record early. But this guy has paid his dues. His a super long amateur career, super long amateur career. The confidence was there. He learned a lot of lessons early. There's probably some lessons he's going to have to learn. Like now that he's in the UFC, or maybe he's just that good. We don't know. But that's like one other thing I want to mention about Ricky Simone is this guy has paid his dues. This guy w- went through all of the phases that fighters go through, where. I'm better than everybody says I am almost too big for his britches. And then he gets humbled a little bit and then he comes back and he gets put in a big spot, thinks he's too big for his britches again, gets humbled a little bit, even though he wins. And then he has losses to font and Faber. But now I feel like the dues have been paid. The britches are just right. Like he went to the tailor and they put those britches on just right. And I think he's right there. And I think Muhammad has just always been too big for his britches. And he just likes it that way. Like there's no, there's no false confidence in this man whatsoever. This guy already thinks he could beat the Brandon Royvals of the world. And I've said this on this very program before, and I'm going to just say it again for those who missed it. Muhammad Mahayev will not just be the UFC flyweight champion in the next two years. By 2025, 2026, he will be a two-division champion. He will be the flyweight champion, and he will be the bantamweight champion. Wow. Because I am that... Like, he's still... Like, as good as he is now, he's still green, and he's not even near his athletic prime yet. We're just getting... Like, we are literally just scratching the surface of this guy. Wait till five years from right now, when that greenness turns to gold. Oh, my gosh. Like, this could be the (laughs) guy. Oh, my gosh. This could be the guy. poster of Mike? is just like a... On, and then on your ceiling in your bedroom, he's just oh, gobbling up all the property and, and, on Mahayev Island right now. There's no, one, there's none left for anyone to buy. You have a poster of Mahayev on your wall, and then below that, your word of the day calendar, which has britches on it, I guess, because I don't think I've ever heard that word <laughs> so much on a show before. You, you, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take, AK. You yeah, know? listen. Like I'm just, I'm just a a poster guy. I'm just a, right. you know, one of the, you know, just look at the posters to motivate. I'm a motivational poster kind like of guy, that. and Muhammad Mahayev should be the face of all of those. He's that good. 
visualize. AK, where are you on the Mahai of britches? I mean, I'm on the opposite side, but I'm this with the, I'm this way with every young prospect. People know this. People know this. I, I I'm the one who's been like you know putting the water in the Aaron Blanchfield hype train and like I just need to see more. <laughs> like these are kids. These Makayev's just celebrated his birthday on Saturday. Uh, this past Saturday, he turned 22. He turned 22. I know. I I know. That, by the like, way, does that mean he was born in 2000? He is born correct. Yes, God, that's, yes. I know. That's not good. I know. I don't like now, this at all. I understand. <laughs> you can't just look at his pro record. Like again, he does have that extensive amateur record. But also, for me, that tells me he just stuck around amateur too long. I, I'd have to look into it more. If I'm wrong, if there's Mokayev experts out there, and I'm wrong, and like it's like, oh no, this was like the right time. I understand. Which I mean, I also he would have been if he jumped in any earlier. He'd been freaking like 18 years old. So <laughs> maybe he couldn't have done it. But. So he just turned 22, which is insane. He is already the number 12. He's 22 with two fights to see in the number 12 ranked guy in uh, our rankings, the flyweight division, uh, which I think is a very strong division. That's crazy, um, but feels fair. I like how they matched him up next. Malcolm Gordon, UFC 280, October 22nd. Very smart matchup. Good old Canadian boy getting thrown uh, thrown into the fire. That's fine. I, I won't take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a very logical matching. If he beats Malcolm Gordon definitively like he handled Charles Johnson, like he Charles handled Cody Durden, I'll get a little more excited. But I am always with all young prospects. Um, I need to see more. So I'm not as like, you know, big as saying like, oh, he'll definitely be in the top seven by this time next year. Though I... So when you when you framed it that way though, I did see some names who I think he could pass. Like, oh, uh, where's our? Oh yeah, tell. I mean, like, well, looking at our just looking at our top seven, I could see him passing Askarov. I could see him passing Askarov. Uh, Askarov is very good, but I just think like a year from now, Makayev could be at the point where he could be either better than just beat him and be better than him, or put together a resume that is lets him edge into the top seven. But um, so I'm I'm a little more optimistic about that. The two division champion thing, man, I don't know. It's it's just so early. It's, I just always think about Brandon Vera and hey, listen, that's night and day. You know, Brandon Vera is a, a different fighter from a different era, <laughs> different divisions. Brandon, Brandon Vera is like, I'm going to be a two division champion. Everyone's like, oh, I Brandon Vera is great. I didn't expect a Brandon Vera mention And on he this never show. came close. He never came close to me. He never hey, became. He's oh, a one championship, a two one, division champion, he, or was. I, I no, don't know if that, that's definitely not win, anymore. I think he only won the one title in one, right? Didn't he only win the one? I don't know. Like, who knows? The one in one? The fact that we. The, the fact that no, we don't know for sure tells you two how... billion people do, AK, and I, I guess we're right. not one of them. God, I can't wait until Roberto Sol just gets to be watched by two billion people. It's, uh, it's the biggest promotion in the world. It's too early for me to say. I, listen, it's fun to project. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm, I, I, I'm supposed to be the prince of positivity, and I am positive, but I'm not always the prince of like, uh, like you know, absurd optimism. I can't go, I can't go down that road. I need, I need to see more. Give me two more Makayev fights before I start saying he's definitely going to be champion. He's definitely going to be a, those are two of the strongest divisions in all of MMA, 125, 135. So would you say, AK, and I feel like you're the right person to ask this question to, would you say he might need one more win before we start throwing him in there with former interim champions and things like that? Because Patty Pimblett, I mean, you're ready to throw him right in there with Tony Ferguson. Let's so go, Mike Heck! Mike Heck chose violence Today. What, what else what, does he have what, to do? What you you can throw him in there. I didn't say he's gonna win. You could throw you can throw Makayev in there with uh, who, who's there. You could throw him in there with Kai Car France if you want. I have no problem with it. I don't think you should. But, That's utterly absurd. But he's not. He doesn't have the fame. But he doesn't have the intrigue of Patty Pimblet. That's a whole other thing. And you brought up Patty, Mike. I didn't bring up Patty. No, you brought up Patty. I, you I, want this? I, Mike Heck chose I, violence, I, and I'm here for it. I I I just had to, I just had to. You know, Listen, we slow roll almost everybody, but. But Patty, we, we Patty, we don't need to. He's three and zero. What did I say? Three, he's three and zero. Is Makayev three and zero in the UFC? He will be. 
Okay, well, we don't know that. Malcolm Gordon, don't count him out. But listen, we don't. <laughs> we, <laughs> he's not three and zero, and also he has way more pro. He's a twenty. He he had a name. He had a name coming to the UFC. He had like a legitimate like like there was a legitimate buzz there heading into the UFC. It's like fame wise are totally different. Um, hey, find find me the equivalent of the flyweight uh, uh flyweight Tony Ferguson. You want to throw him in with Makayev? I'm 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 all I'm all for it. The you constant know, disrespect, just the constant El Kakui disrespect, I, listen, is so ridiculous. We I don't even Tony need to Ferguson, do this. We I think he would win. No. I think he would win. I'm just saying, it's a great fight. Yeah, and, and cool. And then he's fighting like top five lightweights for the rest of his career. That's just a great time Tony for Ferguson, everybody and call him out. Tony Ferguson, um, call this fight out. You guys both targeted Askar Askoff as maybe the name on that top seven that he could kick out. That feels right to me. I think I probably split the difference where I'm not like. This guy's going to be a two-division champion in the next few years, but I am maybe a little higher on him than AK. Where do you fall, Steven? Two-division champion seems a little bit uh, <laughs> a little bit presumptuous at this point. Um, there are so many different ways to lose in this sport, and flyweight is such a competitive division. This guy is an out-and-out out star, and so he will get those opportunities sooner than others. Uh, but I have questions as to whether his wrestling dominance will how he'll do against the the, the top five basically you know the, uh, those guys like you know moreno um figgy uh perez royval you know pantoja those those guys are all well-rounded threats and i think we haven't really seen the full array of his talent yet um we're about to because he's a star and that's very clear. And so he'll get um, not the red carpet up to the to the top five, but he'll get a manageable path. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with you on Askarov. I think that's definitely maybe the the lily pad that he jumps on to get there. But um, I, I don't know. It's the prince of negativity. I would say it's it's, it's too too soon to say. You know. Too soon. <laughs> I'm adopting that as a nickname now. We're using that. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on, fellas. We have two last quick things we want to hit. And actually, speaking of flyweight and Pantoja, because we mentioned him a couple times, um, he has sort of fallen into this spot, as we mentioned earlier, where it's pretty obvious at this point that he deserves a title shot. And it's also pretty obvious that he's just not going to get one anytime soon. Uh, it's just the way the division is playing out right now. But there's just a lot of that going on in the UFC right now. You look all throughout the promotion. There are probably four or five names you could cobble up who reasonably deserve a title shot. And they're just not going to get it because the circumstances outside of their control. Um, and so just real quickly, Mike, uh, of this list, you can even just one one word, this two word, this if you want of this list, who is getting most screwed out of a title shot right now? Magomed Ankalaev, Yair Rodriguez, Marina Rodriguez, Pantoja or Ketlin Vera? Pantoja. It's yeah, Pantoja. I think I agree yeah. with you. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's it, and it's not like he's getting screwed. It's just he is just the baron of bad timing right now. He's just... All I'll say to you, Mr. Pantoja, is this. Whatever Yair Rodriguez is trying to do right now, don't do that, okay? Oof, yeah. Don't do that. Take fight, Go fight Kai Car France, like, maybe the end of the year. Because, I mean, you look at Brandon Moreno and Kai Car France like next to each other side by sides after that fight. And you would think if you didn't know the result, that Kai Car France beat the hell out of Brandon Moreno because Kai Car France didn't even look like he was in a fight. Moreno looked like he fought five guys at once. So I, I, it's not out of the realm of possibility that KKF can come back at the end of the year. But if you're Pantoja, like try to, whenever they put Moreno and Figueredo together, you fight KKF on the undercard, like underneath on that same card, be the backup guy, 
be on that same card. And as long as, as long as you win, you're next, like you're getting the fight. If as long as you win, you're next, but waiting is not the best idea. And I think Pantoja is kind of aware of that. Like I, he knows he has a compelling case to fight for the belt, but I think he knows that he's just, he's just in a, a place of horrible timing right now. So go fight KKF, get another win. And then you're next brother. You're next. Just win that next fight. And, and you're in, but don't say I'm going to wait. I don't care if it takes me five years. I just won't fight for five years. I'm just going to fight Moreno or Figueroa. Just take one more, get in there, go fight for your belt. I'd say by middle end of 2023, he'll get his title shot. So yeah, I think he's the guy, but it's, I don't think he's getting screwed. I just think, He's just in the just worst a, place right yeah, now. Really bad. So I was stunned. You mentioned Yair. I was stunned by what Yair did on, on Saturday with like the, I don't want to fight for an interim. I'm going to wait for Volkanovski. That feels like such a perfect encapsulation of this dude's whole entire UFC career of just like, <laughs> Here's you might've been a, a legendary <laughs> fighter and we've just never found it out because you're constantly <laughs> in these spots where you're just making the wrong call on this stuff. He didn't, he didn't say, I don't want to. He said, I'm not. I'm not fighting Josh Emmett. I'm not fighting for an interim title. I am fighting Alexander Volkanovsky. And of course, Dana White was asked about that. He rolled his eyes and said, you know how I feel about people who say they're going to wait. <laughs> and then he moved on. That's never a good sign. He, Great he, Great he have a one fight win streak. That was an injury occurrence. And that was it. Like, that's what you're, you're rolling off of. Um, I agree with you with Pantoja. Like, I can't imagine the frustration that dude must have been feeling all week when you're seeing these two guys in the co-main event fighting for this title that you've beaten both of them and like one of them twice, like you're three and oh against this. And it's just that you're not even in the conversation. Uh, Steven, where do you fall? The Prince of negativity. Where do you fall among this group? Who's getting the most screwed? How do people feel about Benil Dariush? Oh yeah. That's a good That's call a great too. One too. That's yeah. a good I call mean, too. I think it might be just another barren of bad timing situation, but you know, the guy has built a seven fight winning streak. It's not as long as Islam Makachev's, but he also, you can make the argument for, you know, beating Tony Ferguson in the way that he did kind of having, putting the nail in Tony's, you know, coffin, so to speak, maybe possibly. Um, and then Michael Chandler came on the scene, you know, Justin Gagey got another shot. Um, Raphael Fiziev is like being talked of as a title contender. And then there's the ever, yeah. ever present, uh, specter of Conor McGregor's ghost. That's the thing. Uh, and, and, like Gamrod, even, and now Gamrod, who actually has to fight. Now he has to fight Gamrod. And now Gamrod yeah. just, that's right. Yeah. You, even if, if Charles beats Islam, Conor's probably going to get that next shot and Benil's still going to be out. That's the correct oh, answer. I'm, I'm changing my answer to, yeah. to the Prince of Negativity's answer. <laughs> I could just go with Prince of Darkness if that's easier. Oh my gosh. That is a good call though, because his, is gonna, his feels like, you no. Know, even if he wins this next fight, he's going to be on this prolonged sort of path of frustration because of the Irishman. Right. It's like, we, we've got nobody else. Uh, okay. You can have your title, Benil. You're, you're 45 and, uh, you've won like 12 fights in a row. We'll finally let you get yeah. it. <laughs> AK, where do you land I'll, on this? I'll, I'll toss Marina, uh, Marina Rodriguez out there just because uh, she's a little bit in the same boat as Benil. We're like one, she has a super tough fight ahead of her now. Now she has to fight Amanda Lamoche, who's one of the boogie women of that division. I mean, I know she got beat by Andrade, but whatever. I mean, everyone gets beat by Andrade. Outside of that, she just ran through Michelle Waterson. Um, and now that's another huge name that Marina has to beat. And Marina has beaten a lot of the same people that uh, uh, the current champion, Carlos Sparza beat, uh, Jan Shona, Michelle Watterson. So, and she fought Sparza to a very controversial split decision. So it's like, she should have had her title fight already 
you, you like, but you, you know, again, we, we were fine with Esparza getting at first, but now Esparza again might have fight uh, Zhang Wei Li. God knows if Nam Junis can get a big win and wash that horrible first, the taste of that uh, uh, horrible first fight out of everyone's mouths. Maybe she gets another shot at Carla, the trilogy bout. Um, God, and that's then, no one wants to see that. Uh, it, 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 you know, again, if, if people forget easily, people forget easily. No one's forgetting that one, man. <laughs> Everyone forgot the Nunez Shevchenko fight, the second one. That was real bad. Uh, but, it was a forgettable fight. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but uh, but Marina, like again, she probably could have. She has the resume to probably have fought for the title already. I think she would. I frankly would pick her to beat Carla Esparza. So that's that's one thing she has over some of these other names we mentioned. Other than maybe Ankalaev is like. I think she could be the UFC champion if she got her shot. Like, I would favor her over Carlos Barza, probably. Um, but that's not going to happen anytime soon because Zhang Weili is going to slip in there. Like I said, maybe some sort of rematch with Namajunas. Uh, uh, Mackenzie Dern, who she's beaten, is like a bigger name than her, though, and could, who knows, leapfrog. There's just so many bad things that could happen for Marina. And again, she's probably good enough to be the champion. And I don't know if or when she ever gets her shot. And that's kind of sad. <laughs> Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, she just doesn't belong to sort of that big group that we have at 115, right? Of the the popular names, the former champions, mm-hmm. everyone like that. Um, last thing for us today, fellas, uh, and this one's more of a personal one for AK. Oh, uh, let's do it. It feels fitting. <laughs> we let people take victory laps on this show. It's uh-huh. sort of, you know, there's bragging rights when with these sort of things. And I would say, AK, you deserve one. Uh, Thank you. We may poke fun over the over the months at some of your ranking tactics uh your loyalty to certain old veterans old dogs you're you're you really hold on to them uh much longer than everybody else we've been haranguing your loyalty to vulcan ozdemir for months now the man was struggling he hadn't won in like nearly three years not since 2019 and the rest of us pretty much gave up on him but you always believed my man you kept him in your top 10 through thick and thin. I think coming into this month, you were pretty much the sole reason he was actually clinging to like a number 15 spot. And now the man just went and did, did the damn thing at UFC London, dominates Paul Craig, vaults back to number 11 this month, and he's left you sitting pretty freaking validated here, my man. So I'll give the floor to you. You uh, it's it, you you were the man of the hour with Vulcan Ozemir. You called it. You say, you say poke fun. It gets a lot more hurtful than that. Gene, especially especially Gene, from you in particular, oh, who has really been busting my chops about this, both on the show, sending me uh, personal messages on the Slack, attacking me for <laughs> this is all true. This is true. Let me tell you something, guys. I had no, I never worried about, despite all everything that Shaheen said to me, I never worried about Kim Uzdemir in the top ten because I always felt his resume was still was still very strong. Okay, so he was t- he he fought his way into the top five when he got to the UFC, got a bunch of big wins, got a title shot, loses to Anthony Smith, fine, loses to Dominic Reyes, fine. Those are top ten guys. Okay. You drop him out of the top five. I completely understand. And then he just and then he picks up a couple of wins. Latifi, Rockage, Rockage, very close fight, but still beat him. That is the the fight that uh, Shaheen was talking about, which was several years ago now. And then he loses to Yuri Prohachka and Ankalaev, two of the I think top five, top seven light heavyweights in the world. And and that is like that to me does not make you lose your spot. Those are really great fighters. You don't lose your spot. So he was certainly hanging by a thread. But to to drop him in favor of I, I don't know like Nikita Krylov. Uh, I don't know, Jamal Hill, like those guys from me have not had not done enough to pass him yet. I, I, we have to have respect for veterans. Now, Shaheen is right. I'm very rigid. I do hang on to people for too long, but there's a reason for that. As uh, the rest of the staff found out recently, I keep personal databases 
Uh, I've been keeping yes. personal. I've been keeping personal databases, my own personal databases of rankings of records for like the last like 15 years. Like I, I've been doing this They're for a long thorough. time. Like I was yes. supremely impressed with this. And I've been keeping a ranking. Some I have, I have been keeping an iteration of the rankings, an updated iteration of the rankings for that same amount of time. I've been doing rankings forever. So when Shaheen came up to me with, this, with the cute idea of like, oh, we should do actually do a ranking for MMA fighting, I was like, I'm way ahead of you, brother. I got my own methodology. <laughs> I got my own methodology. The foundation is set. I have set foundation. You guys are starting fresh. You guys are like maybe having your mind who's top 10, like whatever. I have had it in. There's metadata in my, you know what I mean? That exists on the web in, in, Google, in a Google Drive somewhere in the cloud. That's all my rankings over the last, you know, however many years. So I am not so quick to move people out of position. I don't get bored. I don't treat this like a game. Like these are toys. Like, oh, this person's been in the spot for too long. I'm just going to move someone ahead of them. No, no. This is, this is, I told you, I told this to Shane before. This is, my rankings are like a bonsai tree. I've been very carefully snipping away at this bonsai tree for a long, long, long time. And I don't just start snipping off branches. Cause it's in, in, your, in your ground, in your ground floor apartment yes, in, yes, in, in, in the San Fernando Valley. That's right. Because some, some 22 year old flyway comes along and starts body slamming people. Oh, then I turn the whole, I start chipping off branches. That's not how a bonsai tree works. That is not how my rankings work. Volkan Uzdemir is a top 10 light heavyweight. I was right. Well, technically he's number 11 for us. But damn it. But I do apologize to you, AK. You were right. That being said, I would like an apology from you for keeping <laughs> Conor McGregor in the rankings no. like six years after his only like relevant win at lightweight. That's no, all. He's he's That's number 16. Saying. He's number 16 in my rankings, buddy. You're lucky he's not a Farve. He's that close. He's that close. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, sometimes you take L's and I took an L this month. I'm, I'm willing to, I'm man enough to admit that. Uh, now when Darren Till and G Kelvin Gastelum, that's a different conversation for a different day for you. Cause you're still the only one hanging on to those two. But, I'll be vindicated uh, by them too. I'll be vindicated. Uh, in the meantime, that is all of it for us this month. We appreciate you guys as always for joining into the MMA fighting rankings show. Uh, fun one. Thank you so much to Steven Morocco for joining us for the first time. Uh, we'll have to have you back. The Prince of darkness as he calls himself now. Uh, I really enjoy that. Also, Mike Heck, it's always fun having you, man. That man is AK Lee. I am Sean Oshadi. Please keep it locked to MMA Fighting for all your MMA coverage needs. We love you guys, and we'll see you soon. Damn, I miss my, I miss my, I miss my opening to Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> Shoot, I couldn't find it. Oh, my God. Yeah. I tried, I tried. <laughs> I, no, no, you did it, and then I was like, Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix.
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 